0: Hey everyone, in today's episode of Beyond Retirement, we're going to get an insider's look at what it means to be a minimalist. We'll talk to Dave, who's gone from a huge home, with all the trappings of what we generally think of as a successful lifestyle, to a much smaller space. He's going to tell us how he managed to whittle his belongings down, give us a little bit of an idea what we need to do if we want to do the same thing. Stick around after the intro, and let's hear what Dave has to say. Retirement. That's a fuzzy place somewhere in the future for many people. Do we have to retire? How do we prepare for it? Will we really be free? And what does that mean exactly? I'm going to answer these questions and more as I travel the road. I'll cover different topics related to having the life you want. I don't pretend to have all the answers, so sometimes I'll have a guest who knows more than I do about a particular subject. I'm Jackie Desette, and this is Beyond Retirement. To sit back Relax, and let me lead you on a journey to freedom. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to episode 17 of Beyond Retirement. We're finishing up a series on downsizing and minimalism, and joining me today is Dave Gucher, a longtime friend of mine who left the crazy nine-to-five world early to do some world traveling and find a better way of living. Hopefully, he's going to share a little bit of what he's learned through his experiences over the past few years. Dave, thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, Thanks, Jackie.
0: Uh, let's start with a bit of uh, background. Uh, when did you decide that a min- minimalist lifestyle was best for you, and what made you decide that?
1: Uh, I think, Actually, I think I was one of those people who was a minimalist before I even knew what a minimalist was, so before it ever became popular. I um, had hardly any possessions, you know, as a young man. Uh, I joined the military and moved around a lot, so I didn't accumulate much. And I'd always been quite happy with that. And then uh, I think, you know, like most people, we end up going through this phase of, uh, you know, accumulation and buying a house and then a bigger house as the family grows. And as our income increases, we feel like... I don't know, compelled to spend it all for some reason. And of course, we're all influenced by advertising. You know, we're going to be happier with more things or higher quality things or something like that. So I ended up, uh, having a, we had a house of 3,000 square feet and filled completely. And I remember. I, I worked long hours at that in those days uh, in the military and we were, you know, doing some new things and so working 50, between 50 and 60 hour weeks and, you know, exhausted, exhausted at the end of the week. And then I come home and, you know, I had to mow the lawn. Like I had to mow the lawn, had to help clean this 3,000 square foot house, had to, you know, water down the driveway had to do the gardening and and i was like what what is this all about what am i doing what am i doing what the heck am i even working for if all i'm doing is become a become a slave to my house and become a slave to my possessions And i remember i went through a bit of a dark time and i didn't sleep well and i you know, wake up in the middle of the night and I start pacing back and forth in front of the windows of our bonus room over the garage, and just wondering, you know, what is this all about? And then I remember somewhere along there, I remember that the happiest I'd ever been in my life was when I had nothing. So then, not long after that, uh, went to Ontario to visit my my grandmother. My grandmother. Uh, when I was growing up, they had a big house, six kids, lots of stuff, furniture, and that. They also had a second house they had bought for uh, one of their daughters, one of my aunts, and um, and that was fully furnished with all kinds of stuff. And I wouldn't say that my grandparents were, you know, huge collectors of anything, but it was a, I remember a lot of stuff. Every room was filled with furniture and decorations and paintings and stuff. When I went to visit her, my grandfather had already died and she was living in a, uh, an assisted living facility in Kitchener, Ontario. And I walked into her room, and it was just a studio size, and I looked at her possessions and I thought to myself, wow, here she is nearing the end of her life and this is what she decided to keep. Like everything that she's ever owned, right? She had to fit it into this little room. And this is what she decided was important. So I went home and I walked around my 3,000 square foot house, looking at everything in every room. And I thought, what would I keep if I lived in one room? (laughs) And I realized there was nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing that was so important to me that I would have to keep it. And so I decided I was getting rid of it. It was that simple? I couldn't live like this. I can't. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, you know, pacing like a tiger trapped in my own house and my own possessions. And I said that was it. I was happiest when I had nothing. I want to go back to having nothing. That was kind of how it all started.
0: Well, that's quite a picture. Of the pacing as a tiger. I like that.
1: <laughs> <It's> growling too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how did, you, uh, how did you go about getting, getting rid of the stuff? I mean, you know, you, you're there in a big house, you had a family. Um, did you just decide we're, we're getting rid of it all, or
1: um, Well, the marriage didn't survive, so I guess that was the first thing. So um, I ended up you know moving out of the house, left the house to um, my ex which is fine she loved the lifestyle you know and i i, I don't uh, have any qualms about that that's everything that she ever wanted she never said that she wanted anything less and she loved that lifestyle she loved the you know having people over and cooking dinner for people and you know having the big dining room and all that kind of stuff and and that's fine and i'm happy for her and she still loves that lifestyle uh but for me I ended up getting, uh, just moving into a room, uh, on the military base at the time. And then I ended up uh, buying a small condo in Edmonton and that condo was a show suite. So I bought it with uh, show suite furniture in it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I kind deal- of didn't even have to pay extra for it. She was really good about the whole thing. So, um, uh, and then I started taking all the stuff that I owned. It was my stuff. And I just started paring down on it. Some of the stuff was really easy. I ran into trouble with three things. Uh, one was, uh, books. I was an avid reader. I'm still, I'm still an avid reader. But I used to buy all the books that I read and I used to keep them. And I had nine full bookshelves, uh, full of books. and... Wow. And, it, and I felt like I had an emotional attachment to it. So it, that took me quite a while to get down to, you know, just about 10 books. I think I I couldn't part with 10 of them after. And that took about a year to get down to that. And um, another thing was uh, um, hiking. I was, I was an avid hiker, outdoors kind of guy. I had a lot of kit that I had kept in. I always felt like, oh, I better hold on to this kit, better hold on to this kit, better hold on to this kit. And so I did. I kind of held on to that for about a year and then realized that I'm really I'm really not going to be using some of this stuff. So I finally ditched that few tears, but uh, <laughs> survived it. And the other one, which was uh, more emotional for everybody else than it was for me, was um, I had a lot of trophies. So I had been playing sports at, uh, at a competitive level, quite a competitive level. And so I had accumulated since childhood a lot of soccer trophies and hockey trophies and, you know, lots of best midfielder awards, lots of top scorer awards. And I remember looking at it and going, um, geez, like, you know, a lot of guys and women too, they make this, and when they have a big house, they make an I love a wall, right? Yep. Or like a, a trophy wall, right? So I had one of those, and I, I remember some of my friends would drop by and, I, you know, show them, you know, my trophy ball. And nobody was impressed. Nobody cares. Nobody really cares. Nobody cares about your trophies. Nobody cares about your awards. The thing that they love most, and which I've kept after all these years, is uh, a baseball that I caught at a, a foul ball at a Blue Jays game. Everybody's more interested in that. <laughs> and so was I, actually. But, uh, I wasn't sure what to do with them, and, and it was about probably five boxes worth. So I went and talked to my soccer buddies, because I was playing old timer soccer by that time. And, uh, and they were like, oh my God, don't, David, don't, don't give that stuff away. What about your children? What about your grandchildren? <laughs> and these guys, all East Europeans, most of them, and they would never even to possibly give up any award or trophy they'd ever won in their entire lives. It would become this relic for the history of their, you know, family. And uh, and I'm like, wow, really? So I said, okay, if it's so important to family, uh, I decided I was going to ask my daughter. So I took all the trophies up, put them all on the floor of my new apartment, and uh, brought her over, and we went through them. And I just said, okay, well here are the ones that are important to me. Told a little story about the most important ones. Took a few photos of them. And she said that she didn't she wasn't she didn't feel compelled to have to keep any of those for the history of the family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so How I, old uh, was she at that point?
1: Uh fifteen or so. Ah, uh, yeah. So old enough. She's a smart kid. So um so I stripped all the uh tags off you know with my name on it yep and i donated donated the trophies and then i uh, threw those in the garbage and then somewhere along the way i, I lost the photographs too so it was like oh, oh there you go Plug oh, oh, didn't miss it
0: <laughs>
1: it's I haven't, like that I haven't piece of your never happened <laughs> well you know when i kind of think okay sort of existential existential ex- you know the word Existentially, <laughs> um you know, we're really, you know, our lives are really just a blip in the whole history of the planet, right? I mean, those trophies eventually will disappear somewhere along the way. Nobody's going to remember. Nobody was interested in the trophies when I was alive. And certainly nobody's going to be interested in them when I'm gone. So why am I holding on to them? They take up space. Yep. So I'll have to get a place big enough for them. I'll have to dust them every week. And who wants to do that work? For those <laughs> Not me.
0: Yep. That's the big thing I'm looking at right now. I, as I look around my house, all the things that should be being dusted that aren't.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm not sure why now I you have... are a slave to your possessions. You have to dust them. Yep.
0: <laughs> but I figure, I, you know, why dust them? It's just going to get covered in dust again. It's just, it's a useless. <laughs>
1: Tommy, you do you do wash your dishes though, right? Just go and buy more. That's
0: why our shelves are full.
1: <laughs> oh, hilarious. Uh,
0: but one of the things you did say that, that is something I mentioned in one of my other podcasts is deciding whether to keep things or keep pictures of things. And that's uh, the idea of keeping the picture of, of all the little mementos because it's so much easier to keep a picture either, you know, as a picture or on a a drive somewhere where you can go back and look at them if you want. I think that's something that uh, a lot of people should be thinking about instead of holding on to all the stuff.
1: Well, I've been thinking about that too because, you know, I've taken a lot of photos. I have a blog and, you know, I have photos for the blog and I probably can count, uh, you know, maybe four or five times in the last, since I, I don't know, since I got a computer, 10 years ago maybe, where I've actually looked back at old pictures. I mean, how how often do we really look back at old pictures? Is it often? And then when we look back at old pictures, do we not have a few favorites that we really like? One of the things my daughter used to complain about was, she said, every time I get you a gift for Christmas, you either donate it or or you throw it out. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> and I said, well, well, I I keep it for 10 days. Like <laughs> That was more about the card, you know, like a Christmas card or you know, birthday right. card. I said, look, if you yeah. write a really personal note on there, I'll keep it. I'll keep it for more than 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to keep it more than 10 days. What am I going to do with it? i going to have boxes filled with all those birthday cards and Christmas cards. I do. I said, if you... See, there you go. <laughs> you have to take care of that box, <laughs> Yep. and you have to you have to have a place to store it. Yep,
0: that's the kind and of thing. And I have to ask at.
1: you, how often do you go back and look at your old Christmas cards?
0: I've never looked at them, <laughs> but I do go back and look at the birthday cards that my kids wrote to me when they were little, and they're going to be yeah, really hard to let go of.
1: I I do still have a I do have one file with like personal cards from my daughter who you know when she's written me something nice you know not just like a happy birthday sort of thing yep yep yeah but I used to have you know a couple boxes of those (laughs) you know we used to keep everything you know she made a you know a craft in grade you know in kindergarten and we had that we had that ten years later yep what have we got this for
0: as a matter of fact. uh, in the garbage can beside me right now is a broken-up Plaster of Paris copy of my hand when I was five years old that was on a paper plate that I gave to my mom as a, um, a Mother's Day gift when I was in kindergarten.
1: She, You're not throwing that out, are you?
0: It, it fell apart. It just it oh. completely fell apart.
1: You can't go back together.
0: No, (laughs) don't don't do that to me. (laughs) I finally, I finally swallowed all the tears and threw it out. Don't, don't go doing that.
1: Okay, okay. It was a good. But I did take a picture of it. And you got to have an emotional moment on the on the death of your of your craft.
0: Exactly, but it's hard. It's hard to throw away things like that if you're a collector, and that's so that's kind of why being a minimalist is really kind of foreign to me. I can't imagine getting rid of all the stuff around me. If you could see what's around me right now, it would probably leave you shuddering.
1: Well, and I, and I'm not one for, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking people to, to go with less. All I'm asking people to do is whatever you own, it needs to have meaning for you. Right. And, You know, and some people have a lot of things and all those things have meaning to them. They just don't for me. So one of the things I asked my daughter or my daughter said to me, she was complaining about me not keeping things she gave me, is I would ask her, how many things do I need to remind me of you? And so I showed her the things that were most important to me. There's a gift of a father daughter, a little statuette she gave me. I still have that. I have a photograph of her. I have, uh, one more thing of hers here. She gave me a stone that she found. So I'm like, well, how, how many things? I could have 500 things. They all remind me of my daughter. So how many, how many do I really need to hold on to for me to have that loving feeling in memory of my daughter? I would argue less, fewer, fewer things.
0: So have you ever, have you ever felt after you'd gotten rid of something that maybe you'd made a mistake? Like, have you ever second guessed yourself on on what you should keep or not keep?
1: Uh, well, I've, I have i have re things. <laughs> 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 well, for example, I, I actually got down to uh, so few possessions that I was leaving out of my van when I was retired and traveling. And then when I got to Penticton, I bought this, uh, little 380 square foot condo. Uh, you know, I had to buy a few things. I had to buy, you know, something to scrape the carrots with and something <laughs> to boil water with. And, you know, uh, maybe a pot and a pan here. And I have at least one bowl. And some, you know, like a little rubber shirt to hold some South Okanagan wine. After all, I am a wine country. <laughs> <laughs> and a place to sleep on. So, yeah, I have rebought a few things. Uh, but of, uh, you know, all the junk that I had in the past, I, I can't say that I've regretted anything. There have been times when I went looking for something and then <laughs> I realized that I'd, I'd given it away. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no big deal. Totally fine. Oops, no regrets. <laughs> but I have uh, rebought the same book probably five times. <laughs> I'll, die, so I'll give it away. I'll give it to a friend. And I'm like, ah, oh, what does that book say again? And then I'll, I'll go buy it. It's not in the library across the street. So, And I don't have it on my shelf now. So I've given it away again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've bought the same same book three times, like not three different books that I bought twice. <laughs> not because I gave it away, just because I forgot I had it. Then I get home and find oh. it on the shelf.
1: Oh yes. That is the danger of accumulation. Yep. That's when you know, right? Yep. It's like when you go looking for, I don't know, a stapler. Maybe you have a stapler, right? And and you know you have one, you can't find it. It's easier to go buy a new one than to try to sort through all your junk to find it. Yeah, that's the danger signal for me. That means i got to clean things up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do you think you're uh, pretty much set in uh, what you've got now, or do you do you think that there's still uh, more to do to be a minimalist in, in your life?
1: Uh, I think I'm quite comfortable where I am right now. But, uh, you know, I... When you ask the question, I, I think to myself, like we will, we as humans tend to fill our space, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm in 380 square feet and I probably could live in half this, but because I have 380 square feet, I do have a bookshelf, <laughs> right? And it's getting, you know, and, and it's starting to accumulate some, some books. Yep. yep. And, you know, and I do have, um, What else do I have here? You know, another shelf that holds things like blankets and wine bottles and stuff like that. I have an oversized, not an oversized desk, but I have a larger desk. I don't need that big a desk, but I have the space for it. So I filled it. But I'm standing in the corner here. I'm thinking, there's 100 square feet here. I don't really, like I've just purposely just put something there to fill the space. So in that sense, like... I could go smaller quite easily, uh, but because I don't have to, it's not cluttered, um, you know, it's good enough. (laughs) But but I have to tell you, if I'm going to buy a new thing, experiences are different. I'm happy to spend money on experience. But if I'm going to buy a new thing, like I'm the guy, when you go in the grocery store and there's a guy standing there with a spatula and he's staring at the spatula, And that's me. And what's going through my mind is, are you worth me owning? Like, what am I going to have to do to take care of you, right? And how often will I use you? Okay, you're $10, and I might use you twice a year, and maybe I'll get rid of you in three years. So that's six times for $10. It's like, you know, a dollar something every time I use you. Are you worth it? And all this is going through my mind when I'm just like a, you know, a statue is standing there staring at a spatula, so yeah, that's me. take a long time to decide to buy something that's going to take up space in my place.
0: I think I've seen you in a store <laughs> <laughs> so well it sounds like you're Pretty settled into your into your life, and, and you're happy with things the way uh, the way they are, and that's great. Um, do you have any advice that you could give to people who are considering starting to become a, uh, minimalists?
1: Um, I guess I guess first thing I'd, I'd be asking is why does somebody want to become a minimalist? What's not working in their life right now that makes them feel like minimalism is going to solve it, and you know, are they in debt? Um, are they in too big a space? Uh, do they feel like they are crowded amongst their possessions? Minimalism to me is not even only just about, about the things in your space. It's also about clutter in your mind, clutter in your life. You know, friends who are, you know, sucking the energy from you. Um, um, social media. You know, having a whole bunch of social media and being addicted to us. and You know, constantly going from one social media thing to the next. Uh, online dating, become addicted to that. Like all that stuff that just clutters the mind and clutters a person's life. All of that stuff can be looked at. So Maybe it's not just the possessions in your life, but it could be a lot of other things. I think what I would do is I would direct somebody to... There's a website called theminimalists.com, theminimalists.com. They have an excellent archive. Any question you possibly could ever have thought of about minimalism, uh, they'll answer it for you. A uh, great couple of guys. They're out of the U.S., and uh, they probably have the, the, the biggest following uh, in the world on the topic of minimalism. And Then I guess the other thing you could do is just go around your space and just go Like, what here is really important to me? If you have to, pick up every single item in your hand and go, you know, what value are you bringing to my life? And if you're, you know, I think what you realize is that you realize a lot of stuff you have, it's adding no value to your life whatsoever. It's just there. You have to dust it. You have to have a space for it. And maybe it's even causing you stress because it's in your, you know, it's cluttering up your room or your life. I guess that's what I'd suggest.
0: I think that's a couple of really there's a couple of really good suggestions in there. They I I really agree with you on the idea that the clutter in your life causes a lot of stress. I think uh, most people would find that if they can simplify things around them, everything seems to be a little bit clearer. It seems to be mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit easier to uh, to figure out the right right path to follow i know i know it works for me my desk is a mess all the time and as soon as i clear it all off everything feels better
1: yeah it's bliss <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes me think of the, the guys in movies that just kind of swoop you know with their arms and take everything off and dump it on the floor it's like that's what i need to do
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, Good plan. Anyway.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the uh, com. actually, it's a website that I went through while I was uh, starting to look at things as well, and that's, uh, I really like the, uh, the opening couple of paragraphs, you know, they describe what do you need to become a minimalist, it was just a kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek description, but I thought it was really good, worth uh, taking a well,
1: look. At. And there are those people that kind of poo-poo the whole idea of minimalism. They just say, well, what, what is there to talk about? Just get rid of your stuff. <laughs> yeah, And that, yeah,
0: that's what a lot of people seem to think that it is. Is just throw it all away and everything's good.
1: Right. And I, of course, would not advocate doing that. It might take a little longer for some people. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting project that the minimalist did. I can't remember their name's Joshua and I forget the other fellow's name, but the other fellow, what he did was, he had a, a moving party and what he did was he didn't move, but he packed up every single thing that he owned in boxes as if he was going to move. And then he, if he needed something, he went to the box to take it out of the box. Right. So well, you know, the first day he needed a toothbrush and toothpaste and, you know, he woke up in the morning, he needed a shampoo and a towel. And uh, whatever was left in those box after however many months it was, three three months or six months, obviously he didn't need it, and so we got rid of it. So that's how he decided he was going to figure out what was important in his life. Yeah, Anyway, that's I thought really, it was a pretty good idea.
0: Yeah, that's a really good exercise to do. I mean, we've got boxes in our basement <clears throat> that haven't been opened since we moved here, and we've been here since my kids were uh, four and six And they're in their 20s now.
1: You open them and you go, oh, look at this.
0: Exactly. Probably don't need whatever is in them.
1: (laughs) It's still hard to get rid of. It is.
0: (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's all the time we've got for today. Thank you very much for joining me today, Dave. I uh, really appreciated uh, your insight into minimalism and hope uh, i hope everything goes well for you
1: have me on your show appreciate it
0: Dave got cut off a bit there not exactly sure what happened but he didn't get a chance to tell you where to find his blog it's definitely worth checking out you can find it at davidgutcher.com that's david d-a-v-i-d gutcher g-u-t-s-c-h-e-r.com be sure to check it out and that's our show for this week Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show, and leave me a rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, drop by my website, www.beyondretirement.ca, and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.